Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of The Skull and the Guru. We got a really cool show today. Jerry, what are we going to be talking about? Today, we're going to be diving deep into meditation, the mystery of meditation, and we got a special guest on this one, Wells Jones. What's up, Wells? Hey. Yeah, well, so, man, after this conversation, I feel like, man, I don't, I don't know, you changed, you definitely changed the game for me, so I'm, I think the listeners have a lot to look forward to here. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Excellent. What's up, listeners? So, again, thank you so much for the support, and let us know what you think. Put the comments in our, in our uh, Facebook, or you can do it on our website. And get ready to blast off. Let's Thanks do so it. so much, guys. The Scholar and the Guru is an outlet that provides an alternative and refreshing take on everything health and fitness related from a critical perspective. The show is intended for entertainment purposes only and should not be used to inform or diagnose any ailment or condition. In other words, don't take this shit too seriously. You're listening to The Scholar and the Guru. Here are your hosts, Andrew Carter and Jared Tavasolian. Scholar and the Guru Meditation Session meditation session i feel like we need some incense or some shit from here <laughs> nag champa get it going so no today we got a we got a special guest on the show yeah yeah we got wells jones say hi wells hello <laughs> so uh so this is kind of something we're doing different because our initial um when we first started doing the podcast we had four segments right we had nutrition movement Medi- or spirituality and fitness and fitness mm-hmm. and uh we've hit all the other ones but we keep neglecting the meditation yeah so we got a special guest here it's, it's actually really an honor to have you here thank you yeah well you, you got to give people the background because like i feel like you're like a like a mysterious figure <laughs> because like i keep hearing about this guy wells like uh, todd talks about wells you, uh you've talked about wells in the past like who's this guy wells so i finally met you i hear about your stuff you got to tell it listeners what are you about? Where'd you come from? Okay, well, I came from... Um... Wait, wait, wait. So before we go there, okay. I want to give the story on how we met. Okay. Because we've been friends for... Eons. Eons, forever. So I hooked up when I was like 21 or 22. I think I started going down this like spiritual path. It was like after high school, you're trying to find yourself. And um, I was a trainer at 24 Hour Fitness in Simi, and I hooked up with some really weirdo freaks cool very cool but weird and um they were searching i think for like they were trying to find spirit or find awareness or consciousness but Mm -hmm. using drugs Mm -hmm. so they were doing like psychedelic journeys and there was a lot of emphasis on the body and so we see a lot of that in like the new age in the new age scene like kind of neo shamanism type thing yeah yeah and so we were doing psychedelic journeys with mushrooms and um what maybe some like ecstasy or well weird right and uh and ayahuasca was like the final it was over like a two or three year period and we would do it in these like ceremonial sessions but Mm -hmm. there was always something missing and then one day we did a, a group session of ayahuasca in ventura and this freak shows up and I think he could see how bad, not bad, but how like misdirected it was. Mm. And I was like in it. And so you kind of like saved my life. I mean, changed the the direction I was going because I was doing all this body stuff. 
Yeah, you want money. I know you want to get paid for that. I'm sure. Um, and you kind of, you gave me a book. The first book you ever gave me was uh, Silence of the Heart by Robert Adams. And that was a really profound book because it changed the idea of all the emphasis on the body to the emphasis on something bigger than that. Like I'm, I'm more than just my body or my mind. And that was really profound. And I think it was cool because there wasn't even like, you weren't trying to pull me in a way. You just showed me something and then the rest was magic, you know. And then from there we went to Peru two or three times to do ayahuasca. So we've been at this for since like 2003. So what is that? 15 years? Dang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a long time. So that's how how we met. And I would say that there's something very special about you. Very special. And it's something that you can't really tell in words, but you can feel it. Mm. So that's how I introduce you. So now you can share you. Okay, well... Well, that was very sweet. Um, I'm from New York. Uh, grew up in Mount Vernon. And uh, went to uh, art school and uh, in Rhode Island. Uh, Rhode Island School of Design. And Brown University. And um, let's see. So I was into art. As a young man, I was into art. And I went, one day I went to, um, because they, you can take courses at Brown or RISD, you know, in other words, Brown students could take uh, art classes at RISD if they wished at that time, and RISD students could take liberal arts courses at Brown. So, uh, there was one course there. It was a it was a uh, course called uh, sound awareness, and it was uh, by this teacher uh, who went by the name of uh, Brother Ah, and he was a <clears throat> prolific musician who played with uh, you know Miles Davis and uh, you know. Um, all of the all of the the great legends, you know, Max Roach, all these heavy heavy duty jazz musicians, and he was also uh, a member of the uh, Sunrise Orchestra. So we became friends, and uh, real 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 friends. We had a uh, beyond the student teacher relationship, we had a real friendship. Uh, strangely enough, and. Um, he, uh, at the time I was searching uh, with uh, different uh, religions at the time, you know, there was a, a kind of uh, a social awareness that was going on in the uh, uh, so-called uh, African-American community. And uh, so I was searching, I always had a kind of a, a disposition for um, religious things or or the such. So um, he um, invited me to a Verdanta center. What's what's that? Verdanta is um, 
a type of Indian uh, spirituality uh, that um, kind of comes out of the Hindu tradition. And uh, one of the, the, the um, major proponents of it is uh, meditation. So we went over there and uh, it was kind of, you know, um, churchy. Hmm. You know, they had the, the, uh, the Swami and he would give kind of dissertations on uh, meditation and uh, it was nice. It was, it was really different for me and uh, so we kind of evolved from that. I mean, he was already into it, but we kind of evolved from that and it was during the time in the 70s where uh, another guy from India, Guru Maharishi, um, was doing this uh, TM, Transcendental Meditation, and that was really big. And, uh, that's, one still, that's still yeah, big. And one of the things is with the course that I was with this particular teacher is um, we evolved a band after, you know, uh, evolved out of the class. Okay. So, which was crazy because uh, uh, obviously he had all of the, his friends and the connections of, you know, uh, all of these master musicians, you know, um, Max Roach, uh, Gene Carn, um, and various uh, uh, people from that era of of uh, of stuff um, that uh, we got a chance to play with as a result of that, which was really crazy. Wow! Um, so anyway, so we developed this band. Um, and uh, we, um, he had the, the, the vision that we should all become initiated into this transcendental meditation. And he had a, a friend, uh, and um, she was very close to Maharishi, and she initiated us. So. And that was your first experience. That was my first real experience with the uh, meditation. Was that TM transcendental meditation? You know? Okay. Wait, wait, did you and when you hit meditation for mm -hmm. the first time, mm -hmm. were, were you initially hooked? Was it something that like was it? Damn! Or did it take a while for you to really embrace it? Well, um, like I said, I was like really interested in spirituality so I had that kind of bent kind right you know I had looked at um, Sufism and I had looked at uh, the I Ching the, the yeah. uh, Chinese um, divination and the uh, um, different philosophies from from Asia and so I was kind of in that milieu so to speak so and she was a very good teacher, you know, she was a very, very good teacher, musician, and uh, she initiated us, and it took to me real quick. Okay. Real quick, yeah. Okay. So, uh, so was, when you say meditation, we hear so many different definitions of it, meditation to you is what? Very good point, very good point. Um, 
Well, that that particular system that you know I was introduced to is a very specific um, way, and it was it was kind of, it was new in a in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, I I mean I don't know what they're doing now, but. So now, I, now I hope, the, the TM centers. They, yeah, I hope I hope that they're um, still with that that kind of newness, you mm-hmm. know. And I don't know. I was new, <laughs> so yeah. so you know uh, this kind of corporatization of it. Of I, I ain't really feeling that. But yeah. Um, so back to your question. Um, I think that meditation is 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 not particularly something that your mind should necessarily wrap around it because there's a um you know there's a social dynamic that has grown out of it which is similar to the social dynamic that has uh, come about through yoga and you see everybody got a yoga mat and everything has <laughs> got this, and everyone is trying to yeah. cure a certain body and a certain social status and this kind of thing um, that really doesn't have anything to do with yoga. Right. So, in terms of meditation, I think it's kind of like a, an overused word. So, for me, um, Meditation is about being still, in a nutshell, okay? And um, being still and, you know, there are certain techniques one can do. I think the the simpler ones are better. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a tradition in... Uh, India, where you have mantras, which are these kind of words of power, and uh, they help still the mind, and um, uh, it's a a long tradition. Um, Many say that it stems from ancient Egypt, and uh, I think it goes back as long as people have been wondering what the hell they're doing here, right? So, in this, what I found was in this stillness, who is another uh, another profound teacher of mine, uh, Danny Castro, uh, wrote a book actually called In That Stillness. And um, he also uh, kind of removed any conditions that, or definitions that I had of meditation and made it more uh, uh, a deeper inquiry and more, I like to say, more living. So, um, one of the things is the idea that one meditates um, as though it, it, it's, it's, it's the act of the individual to kind of get to a state and that. Um, I don't really follow that. I feel that it's about being still and in that stillness, what I find is something appears. Okay. So there is, um, 
a feeling, if you will, in that silence that emerges. Yeah? And you'll see your, your mind or your sense of yourself resist that. In that resist, because we're we're in uh, an, an amphetamine culture, that's right. So everything is go 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 go, and a lot of times people apply that go 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 to meditation as though it's something that they're going to get, so that they can make their life better or this that and the other, you know, and. Um, to improve their outer circumstance. I've also I've also seen it become more of like a checkbox on somebody's list. Totally. So it's not about the experience. It's like I meditated today or I worked out today. 100%. It's like something. So, but I feel it's an inner journey, hmm. and uh, the ego sense doesn't want to go in because the prerequisite for going in is giving up that ego sense for a moment yeah so I found that by being still um, thoughts seem to drop off and in their dropping off there is a kind of uh, glimpses of quietude that produce this for some people call it consciousness some people call it uh, awareness, presence energy ar arises it arises in you and most of, the, most of what you experience one experiences is when you kind of come back from that right that's kind of how you know that you went there yeah? so there's a, a little interval where there is um, the, the uh, emergence of a deep stillness and as you go over into it um, more and more you come to realize that that stillness because there's no one else there so so um, as opposed to something you're acquiring mm -hmm. it's something you are yeah? mm -hmm. um, and that's um, that's really the challenge of it is the the uh, acceptance that uh, that's who you are independent of life's drama life's consistent amphetamine mm -hmm. drama mm -hmm. yeah and I, yeah, I understand what people are saying that you know it recharges you or whatever whatever you know from uh, the kind of uh, thought 
uh, addiction because you get a chance to put a little quiet to it, you know. Okay. Um, but it does it does appear, and in its appearance there is a, a sense of presence. And if one inquires into that presence deeply, one will find that there's no one there. And so if there's no one there, but you're cognizant of the no one there, then from my perspective, it must be you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So you're basically searching for something that you are. That's kind of the paradox of it. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. We always, especially with like medicine and things nowadays, we always want to try to quantify things and measure things. Is meditation something, is like a check, not a checklist, but like, is there like a barometer? Is there a way to measure it? Or how do you know when you're there? Good question. I would say that you know that you're there when you're not. Mm. Yeah. When you're not. That was so deep, I want to punch you. <laughs> and, you know, you... <laughs> Like I said before, you know, it's it's when you come back as you come back, you realize, wow, uh -huh. you know, yeah. and uh, but um, if you if one can occupy the idea that it is you, that it, it actually there's no one else there. Mm -hmm. um, then it doesn't, you know, you don't get uh, caught up in uh, the the religious, you know. Yeah. So the, the 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 religious form has to have kind of like uh, a hero, and it's got to have like a demon. <laughs> it's got to have this whole thing, which is, I think. Uh, in ancient times, was uh, ancient times and uh, tribal times uh, was illustrated through um, the art of drama. I think I think that the the essence of theater came from that. I think it was a, a kind of a spiritual thing of of uh, a reflection on the many personalities that a person might have in their life. You know? Um, but when that stops, then there's a kind of a spiritual thing, mm -hmm. right? Which, uh, from my perspective, is the goal of the religious thing, is to get you to the point where you drop all that, and you just be in the moment, mm -hmm. and you see what shows up. Do you feel that religion is... Um, I guess an antagonist to meditation or do they work together well I think this I think that whatever religion had originally um, it's lost okay. in like modern day in like modern day that's something you know like I said you know I'm coming from an art background yeah. so I'm looking at that everything actually I'm looking at as art so I'm saying this early expression 
um, of the mystery was an artistic one that had a different type of play okay and um, you know the idea <coughs> of these yogis or these um, enlightened beings or, or uh, gurus or whatever whatever uh, the idea that they there's an idea that they used yoga meditation or what have you to become this realized person um, it seems that the originators um, were realized and then decided to play with the energy okay okay so I think that's qualitatively different hmm what, what's can you explain what being realized means? Yeah, because I, I, you know, like for me, like I've seen Eckhart Tolle or Ram Dass or some of these characters that are quote unquote realized, but I don't know that I've heard Balsakar, who's at Ramesh, talk about realization. But what does it mean to be realized? Well, I think if you look at what is avoiding realization and you inquire into that um, when you get thoroughly exhausted with that journey <laughs> but that, that doesn't happen for many people I, I'm not concerned about many people hmm. I'm concerned with the individual so I can't address the billions of people on the planet hmm. but we're here right and what is it for you realization yeah <sighs> it seems to me that it's just a word yeah but correct but it represents something because it's communicated to people. It's like if you're in the me meditation scene or you're in the yoga scene, and maybe that's the problem, <laughs> that the, the goal is to become realized. I mean, that well, spiritual seekers, when they're, when they're on this journey, when you see the hundreds of people that are sitting in front of Muji, and these are all names of spiritual teachers that you can Google or whatever, you have people seeking something, and they're seeking that realization. And I don't know what it means for each individual, but I think for me, the idea of realization is a space where I'm going to have my thoughts, but they don't affect me. I'm going to live in this reality knowing that it's not me. Mm -hmm. So when the shit happens around me, I'm not affected. Like, so it's that it's knowing. It's kind of like the, the, almost like the untethered soul thing, right? Right. So being like a passive observer in your own life. Correct. Yeah. And, and being able to sit in that. So like... Or if you're affected, which may very well happen, um, whatever, you know, uh, it could be somewhere in a person, animal, situation, something, uh, rattles your cage. Mm-hmm because it's on this physical plane and you're in it 
in this. I don't see any reason to deny that. But I, what I think you're zeroing in on is not have it affect you in an adverse way. Correct. Okay. And there you go into the kind of uh, thing associated with Buddha where you're um, not reacting. Uh, you're not attached. Correct. Okay. So once again, it's this this ownership of the experience that causes all the problems. Repeat that. It's the ownership mm -hmm. of the events mm -hmm. that cause all of the problems. So once you give up that ownership of it, then it just unfolds like nature. Right? So the flower really isn't thinking about its blooming. It's just part of the process. Right? So if you bring all of these goals into uh, this new idea of what meditation is, um, I feel that that's a real stumbling block. A real stumbling block. So you, you, because the, you, your mind is, is constantly going. The whole premise is to ease that mind. Or not give it as much attention. Yeah. And in that ease, um, something appears. Uh, that's undeniable. And it's a sort of a presence. And all of the masters talk about it. Um... But when you get right down to it, it's it's this quality of stillness that uh, everything else is in. So it's kind of like sp space, you know, you look up and there's all of these different things. Um, I remember being in... Uh, Namibia in the, in, the, in, the, in the desert in Africa and I saw this like these crazy phenomenal things going on in space you know whatever they were comet spaceship whatever the hell they were but they were they were really it was really a, a light show you know? yeah. and you can't help but be in awe and in wonder and da 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 but it's all happening in space mm. all of that darkness <laughs> right and um, we often forget that 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 boundless space um, as uh, my other teacher Sun Ra would say space is the place mm. so uh, by opening your heart to that you find that the drama falls away because it just can't compare with that wonder you know how crazy that sounds right space is place or? no no what you're talking about is completely counterculture to the way that we are programmed the well, way that we're born the way that we yeah. experience life it's like 
my son is too, from the time he's two, he's thinking, whether it's because of the conditioning of the teacher, of the parents, and the people around him, when something happens, you did it. Well, you have all these texts. So you have, like, uh, the Bhagavad Gita, you know, you have the Bible, you have uh, the uh, Egyptian Book of the Dead, you have the Tibetan Book of the Dead, you have all these different uh, writings uh, from the ancient world that has, uh, that are still with us. But I think in reference to your question, you know, the holy text would be the New York Times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Or whatever they have in L.A., whatever this newspaper is. Anyway, hmm. if you just read that, right, you would come away with that this thing that we cloister as normal hmm. isn't completely insane. Right? Yes, yeah, of course. Good point. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, um, people have bought so hard into it. So hard. And like you said the other day, LA is the epicenter. <laughs> it's here. It, it, this is ground well, zero. And, and it's so embedded, too. It really is. Yeah. Well, it goes back to kind of that kind of uh, matrix um, vibe. Okay. Where um, the cat Neo is trying to break out of the conditioning. Right. Right? So the reason why I said the New York Times is, or whatever newspaper, is you, or whatever, I don't know, Fox, CNN, whatever. Um, if that sensitivity is in you, and you can see, um, remove yourself from the momentum for a minute and look at it like it seems to contradict something mm -hmm. it seems to contradict the essence of love the the purity of consciousness if you will. There seems to be a contradiction. You know, it's mad. I mean... <laughs> I, For sure. Maybe I am crazy. No, but, you, well, you are crazy. But but if you look at that... Um, I think that... Uh, sanity is on the other side of that. Okay. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's it's what I think people have lost uh, is the idea that there is an alternative to it. Hmm. So this acceptance of the madness is the thing that should be questioned. Yeah, you made a, a great analogy when we were having lunch the other day. You were talking about I think Jared brought up you know someone who's in a situation where you know they're they're falling on their own selves, you know, they can't get out of their own way, they're in this kind of doldrums, in this deep, dark space, and you said if they're willing to let go, what got them into that will naturally get them out. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that a little bit? 
don't know exactly how you worded it, but yeah, that, I mean, was, no, that was it. Was very, that was very, very powerful. Yeah, explain that, man. Explain <laughs> that. Well, the the process of the mind's reaction is the <clears throat> is the only thing that you have. Hmm. It's not so much the idea of shutting off the mind it's more not reacting to the mind mm -hmm. so the mind is kind of this thing that is constantly spewing great word <laughs> these thoughts and the power, in other words, you have this darkness, and then out of this darkness comes mirrored amounts of thoughts. Mm -hmm. Now, I think because of that kind of, for lack of a better word, psychedelic activity mm. in your head, in your head, one attaches oneself to it as oneself so the person feels as though these thoughts are them mm -hmm. the reality is if that was true you would never have a bad thought <laughs> right yeah. because you're the author so you could tailor it and, you know just have nice thoughts. Mm -hmm. But <laughs> you can't do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They keep coming. Yeah. You know, it could come from this relationship, it could come from the school, it could come from the job, it mm -hmm. could come from your parents, it could come from your sweetheart, mm -hmm. it could come uh, from the tax man, the rent man, your car, mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. You know, the joke is, you know, you got karma, you know, you get into an accident. But, um, so you, so there's an element that you're just completely not in control of. Mm -hmm. So, <clears throat> if you react to it, certainly you've gone to a movie and you've been in the, in the movie theater and you see someone. Or you, or yourself, you might be moved by the by the artistry in the movie, and you may even be driven to tears. You know, I remember one early movie that I saw was uh, as a kid was uh, Pinocchio, mm. and uh, you know, I don't know, was six six or five or becomes old, a real boy something like that. You know, and I'm checking this out. And uh, it, I remember it was extremely upsetting to me, you know, that this cat had this nose that he really couldn't control, and it was just <laughs> like work. And I was like, you know what I mean? Because I have a strong nose, and I was like, damn, that's so cruel and hard. I mean, I was really, I remember, you know, my mother had to really talk me down because I was worked <laughs> by that. Yeah, I was worked <laughs> by that. And, um, 
so you, you know so you can be in this theater I remember also being in a in, in a theater and uh, we were watching um, the uh, oh, oh, uh, uh, a war movie and uh, I don't know if it was uh, Apocalypse Now, or I can't think of the name of it right now, but uh, except the war movie made you cry. No, the there was a, a scene in it where they had some prisoners of of, of war, and they were being uh, in a, just an impossible situation, and it was really, really, really uh, a horrible situation, right? And Deer Hunter is the name of the film. Mm. And uh, <clears throat> De Niro and uh, Christopher Walken. And they were in this scene and they were being uh, basically tortured by these uh, people who had, the, had them captive. And there was a cat in the theater that was maybe two seats down and there was a time when, in the move, in the scene, where finally De Niro, who was the American soldier, finally got the upper hand on this crazy situation, and he was taking out the people who was terrorizing them, and this guy jumped up and said, "Kill him! Kill him! Kill him!" You know, and. Uh, I was checking him out, and you know he was really, really emotional about it, and and you know perhaps he had, you know I, I thought I mean maybe I'm I'm wrong, but I thought perhaps that he had you know been in the Vietnam War or something like that, and mm -hmm. something triggered him, you know. Um. So that's 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 one thing. Now, if the guy had pulled out a gun in the theater and shot the screen. <laughs> That would be another level, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah of a detachment. So, uh, and then there are some people who can admire the art, but not get sucked in. Get yeah, sucked in, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the actors have to believe it to make you believe it, mm -hmm. but the actors also know they're acting, you know. So that's kind of the way the mind is. The mind is going to throw up these images and throw up these thoughts. And if you re react to them, um, whatever your scene is, is going to be uh, much more difficult to manage. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is interesting about this 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 thought thing that we think is us is if it's us how come you can't hold on to it you know yeah you have like a bazillion thoughts per day exactly and not they say 90 something percent are repeating thoughts so based yeah. on conditioning based on whatever you have that mm -hmm. so uh, you had mentioned Robert Adams um, a realized author that spent time in India with another sage, uh, Ramana Maharshi, and his 
his teaching is to follow the I thought. Disregard all the rest of the thoughts. Just deal with the I thought. What do you mean by the I thought? Who is this I that has these thoughts? Mm. You know, the, the, you got to see the thoughts are independent, right? For the mo you know, because they come and go, mm -hmm. right? But they come to what? Who, to whom do they come? To whom do these thoughts come? Because there has to be something there to observe. There thought. you go. Yeah. So what is the thing observing it? So by inquiring into that uh, deeply also brings about a stillness. And it's like I said before, as you go deeper in the stillness, there's no one there. So that's ultimately the goal of the meditation is to get to a space where you let the the unknown become known or where you experience more of who you really are where you accept the mystery and so which is the fact and so you got some statistics on meditation do you have them up yeah yeah so so it's interesting again this is kind of um it's coming to light now in recent years but so we've known about these these benefits for for centuries. Um, this is one study I found. It's from the International Quarterly Journal of Research in Ayurveda. Uh, it says research has confirmed a myriad of health benefits associated with the practice of meditation, and they have about I'd say twenty to thirty different studies. Um, these include or twenty twenty to thirty different citations. These include stress reduction, decreased anxiety, decreased depression, reduction in pain, both physical and psychological, improved memory. Uh, physiological benefits include re reduced blood pressure, heart rate, lactate, cortisol, and epinephrine, uh, increased melatonin, decreased metabolism, breathing pattern, oxygen utilization, or carbon dioxide elimination, increased DHEA production, and relative blood flow to the brain. Uh, meditation increases regional cerebral blood flow to the frontal and anterior regions of the brain, increases efficiency in the brain's executive attentional network, and increases EEG coherence. So again, you talk about, if you were to look at it from a modern medicine perspective, you'd probably have a specialist looking at each one of those particular things. Yeah. Right? So, it's, so it's like just sitting still, you can, can fix it all. Yeah, you can have an effect that's like taking a pharmaceutical drug. Mm -hmm. Now, what I wonder is, from, from my understanding, the Native American, so the, the, the Indian from India and that lineage... Is one is one particular type. You have like the I Ching, and you have you know, the Eastern, and then we know of the Native Americans, and they, I don't know that there was Native Americans that were meditating, per se, but they had a real strong connection with nature, and they had a lot of space in their day. You know what I mean? Like, they slowed down enough to watch the clouds move, to watch the grass grow, to notice the change in the season. You know what I mean? Like, And I wonder for people, is there as much benefit in meditation as there is in just like chilling the fuck out? You're not going to go to that space, but you can still get these benefits, but people are resistant. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Well, I think that, you know, when you're observing the different cultures... Um, and in particular, you brought up the the the, uh, the Native American is uh, 
and the reverence for the nature to me that comes out of the stillness so the Native Americans that I know are very there's a stillness with them. It's it's inherent. Yeah. Yeah. So so why why is there so many meditation teachers and there's so many meditation techniques? Because to me, a lot of I'm a simple mm. I'm a simple guy. Like, In a word. Yeah. Neurosis. Okay. Mm. You know, you got people who want to be gurus and people who want to like educate people, and when I was teaching with Chris, we go around and I I feel kind of foolish being a meditation teacher because all I'm really doing as a meditation teacher is providing space for people. I'm not really teaching it. You can't teach it. You know what I mean? So to me, to, this is personal. Well, you know, you know, you you just don't want to say, look, man, just shut the fuck up. <laughs> I mean, you, you know what I mean? You, you, no, you, know, you don't want to really like cut to the chase and just say, "Look, man, shut up, just mm. chill." And but that's what. But it the is. mind, the mind plays tricks, and right. um, you could have okay, you could have a scenario where you have a house, okay, and uh, you know, I have two children in the house. And uh, <clears throat> your children, and the house catches on fire, and the entrance into the house is blocked. House on fire, two kids. House, the entrance is blocked. Yeah. So you're outside. You're yelling to the kids in the house, "Come out! The house is on fire!" Right? Okay. Now. You say, you try everything and it's not coming out. So then you say, you know what? Hey, I got a brand new bike out. Two bikes for you. Hmm. And that breaks them out of whatever trip they're in. And they get so excited about getting the bikes that they come outside. Okay. Well... It's kind of like that. It's there are all these different techniques, and there's all these different ways, and da, 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 to try to get all of these different types of people who are stuck in all different type of ways to get out of the house, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So that's essentially why there are all these different things but if you want to get to the source of it mm -hmm. it's just you the stillness and see what shows up it's pretty simple <laughs> I like that awesome I mean this is I feel like we could do this all day yeah, this is, <laughs> I feel like I'm really enlightened right now this is a great conversation for me yeah, it's all right. You got some good stuff. <laughs>
let's maybe finish up well maybe for someone like Stop me hugging me jerk <laughs> maybe for someone like me who doesn't have a background in meditation and we're maybe looking to get started what are some baseline things maybe like some five quick things or i don't know how you would do it but someone that wants to jump into it maybe who are some books that we can read what are some practice we can do to get the ball rolling and get to where you are eventually yeah how can a person get started well i think I think that uh, one of the easiest ways is, uh, I mean, you know, one can research whatever books, I mean, like we said, there are billions of those out there. Um, but if you, could, if you can go into the, 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 the essence of the body, like uh, what's like what's like really, really, really important to the body. Hmm. And what you'll find, if you, if you really, really just sit and inquire into what's really, really important to the body, I think very high on the list is breathing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, if you look into the breath and just watch your breath because the breath is something that is constantly happening that due to the nature of things we take for granted yeah so if you can bring your attention your breath and if you can get to the point where you breathe through your nose it's like what we're doing in San Diego it happens naturally you know I mean one of the one of the hard things is you know a lot of times kids do this, you know. I remember I did it. Hmm. And, you know, when you're a kid and your mom comes in the room and you don't want to have a discussion, <laughs> you don't want to deal with it, or so what you do is you pretend you're asleep. Hmm. Very hard to do for a long time. You know, what I mean a long time, like a minute, you know, it's hard because you feel like you can shift, you feel like you can't, yeah. Um, so, so it's not about pretending because that brings more agitation. Hmm. So it's just about sitting quietly, right? and taking a look at your resistance to the stillness and follow the breath and see what happens it's pretty simple that's it man that's the button yeah (laughs) leave it on that cool another episode of Scholar and the Guru meditation session that's it thanks Wes thank you You have been listening to The Scholar and the Guru, 
For more information about the show, go to thescholarandtheguru.weebly.com or check us out on Facebook at The Scholar and the Guru. Thanks for tuning in.